Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. My name is Jiro Taylor, the host of the show, and this is a podcast for entrepreneurs, for freedom seekers, for purpose hunters. This is for you if you want to achieve inner growth and supercharge your life and unleash your potential purpose and your higher states of performance because that's really what flow states are all about. So the show has been on a break uh, for a few months. I got married, my one week honeymoon turned into three months, turned into eight months, turned into living in Bali, turned into living in flow and exploring my limitations and here I am back to relaunch it. So if you're returning back, um, welcome back. If you're a new listener, Uh, That's awesome. I'll just fill you in on what this show is all about. So last season, we covered a lot of ground, discovering the roots of inner growth. I interviewed neuroscientists, entrepreneurs, adventurers, and really highlighted a new kind of success where it's all about authenticity, presence, peak states, and impact, and less about how much money you got in the bank and how many cars you got in the driveway. It's more about this inner state of fulfillment and freedom. This season, I plan to continue this theme Um, But I really want to showcase a new kind of hero. I'm going to be interviewing uh, entrepreneurs who do things differently. Uh, Those entrepreneurs who really embody this idea of inner growth driving outer impact. I'm also going to be interviewing all sorts of um, adventurers and artists and other people who embody that lifestyle of living in flow, of living with presence, with power and with purpose. So on today's show we have Nathan Chan. I'm speaking with the CEO and founder of foundermag.com. So this is an online magazine for young entrepreneurs. If you're in Australia, I'm sure that you've heard of it. Um, Maybe, well, anywhere in the world you might have heard of it because it's blown up in the last few years. If you're sitting in your nine till five in your job feeling unfulfilled and just waiting for that perfect moment to escape the city and launch your business, you got to listen in. Because Nathan is a living example of a guy who had no business experience, but a whole load of drive and a very clear idea that he wanted to bring to life. So starting from scratch, he had no publishing background, no media background, no advertising background, no entrepreneur background, but he built up Founder as a side hustle while he was working in this nine to five that wasn't fulfilling him. And he threw all of his energy and time into this project and the results have been quite staggering. Founder has grown into a brand to be reckoned with. They have outrageous customer stats and engagement. They've landed Richard Branson, Seth Godin, and more on the covers. But what really impresses me is not the stats. It's the focus. It's the vibe. It's the the feeling I get that they really want to just provide real support to the community that they inspire. It feels like a family. So every step along the customer journey with Founder, you sense humility, you sense support. And as a result, they're really helping young entrepreneurs get the inspiration, tools, and strategies that they need to launch. I really get the feeling that Nathan and his team care. I really feel like they really, really care. So on this interview, I got into Nathan's um, mindset pre-launch and how his mindset has evolved as they've moved past growth phase and into into, uh, past early stage, survival stage, and into growth phase. So if you're interested in the mindset of uh, a young entrepreneur who's put everything on the line and what his habits are for success. And if you want to know what it takes to build a business from scratch, then listen into the show. I know you're going to love it. 
Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. I'm here today with Nathan Chan, who is a publisher, the founder of Founder Magazine for Young Entrepreneurs. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks, Jura. How are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks. I'm really well. Just so our audience can place you, uh, where are you at right now and uh, what's, how are you feeling? Okay, so I'm uh, in my home office and uh, woke up about an hour ago. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little, little tired. I've been uh, working uh, around the clock because I go to the States next week and uh, oh, I'm doing too much, doing too much at the moment. Yeah, it certainly sounds like you like to take on pretty significant challenges. Um, and one thing I noticed from following your journey over the last four years is, uh, yeah, your work ethic seems to be extraordinarily high. Has it, has it always been that way? Um, no, it hasn't. Um, I think I've always had a good work ethic. Um, like whenever, you know, I, I, I was pretty lazy at uni, um, when we all mate. <laughs> yeah, so I was really lazy at uni, but you know, when I was working, like like in terms of like my job, like what you know, my part time job, where I was working like Target or McDonald's or whatever. Like I was always, like I never really took breaks. Like I was always like, um, you know, as soon as I finished uni, I'd I'd fill my whole university holidays or any anything just working. And if I ever had any spare time, I'd you know have a shift here doing X, Y, and Z. So. I've always just been just working. I, I really enjoy it. Um, that's just that's just who I am. Um, but yeah, look, when when I had my other, you know, when I was working in in like corporate corporate, um, yeah, I did have a good work ethic then as well. Obviously, didn't work. No, I didn't. No way worked as hard as I work now. Um, but that's because I didn't love it. Now that I love it, <laughs> it's different. You know, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, it kind of changes the whole definition of work doesn't it like it yeah the word doesn't almost fit because everybody associates the word work with you know the stuff that you have to do um but when it's the stuff that you want to do we need a new work for that it's, it's somewhere between play and work um mm. you know what i mean it's not quite yeah. play because we're not you know play is something different um but it's like this purposeful i don't know it's the stuff that we'd be doing even if you know we didn't need to be doing it so Tell me, tell me, man. Like, you've it's been a crazy four years. Is that is it four years since you launched uh, Founder? Yeah. So yeah, we yeah March fifth, two thousand thirteen. So uh, in two days, it's our four year anniversary. When you look back over those four years, what are the sort of words or emotions that spring up for you? Yeah. Wow. Uh, accomplishment. Uh, impact. Uh, excitement, um, joy, uh, knowledge, mm. <laughs> um, achievement. Mm. Yeah, heaps of things, man. It's been it's been a crazy four years. Um, been been really really rewarding as well. Um, but yeah, in in many ways, I feel like I'm just getting warmed up. You know. Yeah, I know exactly that feeling. So when a lot of people in the startup world use the metaphor of uh, jumping out of a plane and learning how to build a parachute on the way down. Is, mm. is that something that resonates with you? 100%. 100%. I think it's only been probably, to be honest with you, Jiro, like the past year or year and a half 
of you know so in the first you know in the first two years you know I was still kind of working things out but it's really been the past year uh, that I've really worked out a solid I guess um pathway and roadmap and and business model of what the company looks like and 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 what our focuses need to be now this year where it's it's all about setting those creating those foundations more than ever and setting up those templates to really just do everything at 10x uh this year and next so yeah i i I think um yeah for sure like i I think we've kind of got now if you look if you use that analogy i think we've kind of got the parachute uh built and now how do we you know um do it at scale that's kind of that's kind of you know what we're looking at so Mm. yeah um it's been been really really fun and and uh, it's been a lot of learning. So you basically said that uh, the last year and a half, it's been around the strategy, the, the visions, and really getting clearer, which kind of means that for the first two years and a half, you guys were flying by the seat of your pants. Is that, is that, is that the case? Or I was just reading yeah. Daniel Flynn's book, um, the, thank you, uh, the founder of Thank You, Thank You Water. And mm. uh, yeah, he he very much talks about just flying by the seat of his pants or just, you know, just this kind of like the the awesomeness of kind of naivety and, and innocence in the sense that you kind of have permission to just do what the hell you want without these, you know, arbitrary limitations. Did you find that? Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. It's like, you know, you get a blank canvas and you can paint whatever you want. Mm. Uh, so... Yeah, um, I've just kind of been just trying to work things out and 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 just kind of just test and see and get a feel and and think and it's taken a lot of of thinking and strategy to work out, you know, these past four years what I want Founder to look like for the next four or five years, um, and I think you know now we've got a pretty pretty solid roadmap. And I wouldn't even say the next four or five years. I'd say the next two or three years from now, what it's going to look like. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty, pretty sure on on that vision now. And I, I'm pretty sure on on what what the mechanics are and what needs to happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really exciting that we're going to have like you know, this year is obviously going to look much different to net to 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 next, but. It'll still be around, you know. It'll be pretty, you know. We'll, we'll be on the same path, you know. Like mm. it won't be, it won't be narrow, it won't be windy, mm. um, like it's been the past few years, which is exciting, you know. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. The windiness of the path when you first start out. I mm. think I think you'll probably agree with me, but a, a lot of entrepreneurs at the beginning really kind of have the ham the, the handbrake of their car on because they're they're looking for the the definite clear path to success and every time I speak to a successful entrepreneur well nine times out of ten those there's like a period of windiness it's like snakes and ladders you you go up this bit and then there's a dead end and then you try another bit and then there's another dead end and it's almost like you have to go through this process to find the one track that now you have clarity on do you agree with that yeah hundred percent you know when I started the magazine um, I honestly just thought you know, I just do the magazine forever. Um, and we still do the magazine, but, you know, many, many things have changed uh, around that. And, 
yeah, you know, you just you just don't know. You just kind of have to just, especially I think the the cool thing is if you've never done, if you don't come from that industry, like you know how like and I'm not like you know just a great example is like how Elon Musk he's never built cars before, hmm. so you he he approaches it from a place of not knowing and just what feels right. So a lot of industries that are disrupted or changed or you know have innovation usually come from people that have no background in what they're starting out to do and that was the same case for me with founder i had no background in regards to uh publishing digital media any 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 content nothing you know no journalism background nothing and i've just kind of just kind of seeked out what what has felt right and just worked it out along the way, and you know, where uh, I, I could take this company and 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 the business and what we're doing in many many different directions. But um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure on this new direction, or well, not even new direction, but the current direction we're on the current tra- trajectory. Oh, dude, it it feels awesome. Just just as a customer, um, it feels awesome. Like I, I used to be a member of several different membership platforms. And now I'm just a member of one, uh, which is which is Founder Club, um, and that's that's the way I access all the magazines and and be part of a community of of entrepreneurs. It's it's awesome what you guys are doing, and I can I can feel how you're building the platform in such a way that you can just start to plug in uh, products that are really aligned to the actual needs of this this tribe, this audience that you're building, which is which is so on point. No, oh, well, thank you, man. Yeah, that's where it's at, bro. Cool, cool, cool. So I just I'm fascinated by uh, not just the past, but, but but more about how people get to where they've got to because it's never a linear path, as we we've, we've discussed. Um, when I look about, at my past, it's like I had no idea where I'd be right now, like doing the sort of stuff that I'm doing, and I'm sure that the same is for you. Um, but just talk me through um, some of your past. So I. Like that kind of what are the like the, the standout journeys when you think about where you are as an entrepreneur now and you think about like is that what you plan to be as a child did you have any dreams uh, or did you just want to be an astronaut like the rest of us <laughs> um, didn't have much ambition actually to be honest uh, didn't want to be didn't want to be an astronaut um, I don't know I, I, I always used to say I wanted to be a, a lawyer or a journalist Um the journalist one's interesting because, in a way, I kind of am. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I always said I said I wanted. Also, I thought forensic investigating was was fascinating as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, no, I had no dreams, hopes, aspirations to be an entrepreneur. Um, not even in my early twenties, man. Uh, so oh yeah, well look, it was in my early twenties. So I started. I started Founder, what, when I was 25? Yeah, when I was 25. So, yeah. And before that, you were working. I know that uh, you did some marketing at uni, and I know that you you then went into IT, and I know that you started working for a a pretty successful startup, I believe, um, the guys at Intrepid Travel. Yep, yep, Um, yep. How how did that sort of inform where you are now? Because, you know, whilst you were working at a startup, you were kind of in the boiler room, um, you know, doing IT stuff. Um, what, what, how did the culture or how did that 
kind of company vibe influence you? Yeah, look, the the culture was amazing. You know, Intrepid Travels a, a really amazing company, and um, you know, when when I wanted to leave, it wasn't because of the company. It was more because of the work that I was doing um, in regards to IT. Um, um, I'm still friends. You know, um, the founders. One of the founders is, is is a is a really great mentor of mine now. So we still catch up. I'm actually catching up with him. We just locked in a catch up this time next month. So, yeah, um, the like the, the company's amazing. They, I don't know if you'd call them a startup anymore though, because they've been around for thirty years. But uh, they definitely, you know, definitely does have that startup kind of vibe and story still to the, to this day. Um, you know, it was two guys. They had a van. They hired a van, and uh, they just took like you know. 10 friends on a, on a trip around Southeast Asia and then, you know, they turned that into a business. Now they serve, I think, at least 100,000. They take 100,000 people on all sorts of tours or maybe 200,000. I can't remember, but every single year. So, yeah, no, incredible organization um, and the culture is, is really, really cool and I learned a lot, a lot there. Uh, but, yeah, for me, it was kind of like, you know, I, I remember in the early days, um, I remember I remember there was a guy that I knew that I used to, you know, just have drinks with or just knew from around the area um, that his title was entrepreneur and I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> really? Like, literally, I did not even know what that meant when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20. Um, never, ever had a thought that I'd be doing the stuff that I'm doing now. Wow, isn't that I just fascinating? Got, yeah, I just kind of fell into it, man. So clearly your, your upbringing, clearly your, your parents, uh, like my parents, were not entrepreneurs. I suppose most people's no. parents weren't entrepreneurs. But were you, were you kind of brought up in the whole kind of culture of, well, being, be a lawyer or an accountant or be, go to university, get yourself a career and a pension and safety and security and do that kind of, li- that kind of living? 100%. 100%. Yeah. And there's something there's something shifting, right? Because you know your entire business is founded on this notion of new opportunities for young entrepreneurs to go out and be the master of their own destiny. This is it's when I speak to my dad about what I do. There's almost like a complete lack of ability to understand that. You know, to him, the risks are just unbelievable. But to me, and to you, the risks of staying within a company for thirty years would be unbelievable in a different sort of way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I agree. It's interesting how this shift is happening during our lifetime, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it is. It is. So, yeah, man, like right now there's no better time in history to be able to do the stuff that we're doing. I think that's that's once you have that realization and once you let go of, of, of thinking, okay, well, you know, I, I have skills – um, what's the worst that can happen? I just have to go back. I can go back to my day job and you, and you have the ability of choice. That's when it becomes really powerful. So let's break that down because obviously there's many people out there listening. There's, I've noticed that there's many people in the founder club community who are at the stage of their journey where the entrepreneurship is a side hustle. Okay, so yeah. they're still they're still working the the forty or the fifty hour weeks. They still uh, have a boss above them, but they have a dream. So let, let's let's break down a little bit this 
this kind of process. I've, I've been through it myself. Um, I think that there's a, a, a dumb way to do it and a smarter way to do it. Um, what, what advice do you give to people who, are, who, who, have, the, who have the clear idea um, but I, I don't know, they're kind of stalling. They're kind of waiting for the perfect opportunity to, to, to break out. Because I see a lot of people in this middle ground, they, if they just gave themselves more time and actually more pressure to, 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 to launch the thing, to do the thing, then you know, that would be the fast track to success. So what's, what's your advice to people who are kind of like splitting their energies between employment and entrepreneurship? Um. I think you, you, you gotta have to. That's your rite of passage. Mm. Like I think I think um I don't like with me with founder, it took me a year to build it up before I even left. So I, I was still doing the day job thing and intrepid, just doing work that I didn't enjoy but love the culture of the company and love the people. Um for a good year before I went full time on the magazine and I think you have to do it that way because if you don't, it just, it just, I, I just don't know. I, I know others do do it and I know others have successfully done it where they've just left their job and they've just kind of worked it out, um, cold. But I think more often than not, most people struggle to work it out cold I think you've got to always have money to come in to pay the bills. I don't, I don't particularly like risk. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to lower and mitigate my risk as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of yeah. That, yeah, I that's mean, the you, you can't. Have to do you it. can't really think straight, can you? If you if you're if you're in survival mode. It's not as though you're going to do your best creative thinking. So, yeah, I completely agree. You have to mitigate risk. You, have, you really have to create a game plan where you have a, a buffer. Um, you, have some, you can create a sort of safe zone so that you can actually do your, do your best work. Because if you're worried about whether you can put food on your kid's table all the time, then you're just going to be in this state of frantic panic the whole time. Yeah, so, I agree, 100%. Cool, man. So talk to me about those early days. Um, I'm sure that there were moments where you were just like, shit, I don't know if I'm going to pull this off. What, 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 when was the moment where you, were th- where you realized, actually, this is it. This is actually going to work. Hmm. Yeah, look, it, it took a while, actually. Um, even even after I left my day job, to be honest with you, Jiro, like I did have a lot of doubts. Um, you know, I, I did have a lot of doubts that this, you know, that, that, that this this might not work. Um, and it took me a while to to really start to believe in myself. Yeah, even after I left my day job, so. With full transparency, man, like I was doing some consulting on the side because I was like, oh, you know, maybe um, I can do the magazine and also I could do some consulting, like magazine consulting, and I was doing that. And I remember, like, I was just trying to work things out, you know. Um, I was doing the magazine consulting on the side, and I was just like, oh, okay. Because a lot of people were asking me at that time. It's funny. It's funny how things change. Like no one asks me now to do magazine consulting um, at all. Uh, people did though back in those days when I first left, um, which was interesting. I don't know why, but 
yeah, kind of, I was doing that and I was thinking, yeah, I can just do the magazine, bit of consulting and, and yeah, I didn't really know. I had no idea if, if it would work. And I remember even speaking to this guy, um, I don't know why, but I found his work, um, on a blog and like he, he said, he just does free calls just, just to help founders. Like, uh, he, I don't even know why he did it, but he was just a really nice guy and uh, he did free calls, and uh, I remember calling him up, like booking a call, and just chatted to him about stuff, and and said, you know, have I found product market fit? And he's like, man, you definitely have. You've got thousands of customers, thousands of subscribers to the magazine. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, look, yeah, you know, like for sure, I was doubtful. Wow. So so you didn't actually realize the the value of what you had created until someone else pointed it out. Hundred percent. Wow. So, talk to me a little bit about the self doubt and the, and the self belief. Uh, self belief being, I guess, the other side of the coin to self doubt. So, this is obviously the thing that paralyzes a lot of people. It's it's the voice in our head that says, maybe you're not good enough. Maybe the idea isn't good enough. Maybe the competition are too good. All all that sort of inner dialogue piece. Um, what if what strategies or ways have you found to to deal with that thing? I think it's it's a combination of things. Um, you know, I think the more and more you hear from people in your community or people that um, you know you've changed their lives or you've they've you know had a, a massive impact from your work, that's a big one. That's a big one that mm. definitely keeps you going and definitely helps you know. I guess builds you up, mm. um, and then you know. Winning also is another one that uh, helps build you up as well, like having wins. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm obsessed with winning now. I don't, I don't like to lose. <laughs> um, I'm very competitive. I never used to be very competitive, but I am now with, with everything, not just, not just um, you know, business, but, but anything now. So I, I like winning a lot. So just, you know, how do you win? How do you win? You work, you work hard, man. And, mm. and and you speak to the best and you find out what's working from the best and you find out what's working and how to do it from people that you admire um, that are doing things that you want to do. So, mm. yeah, that's kind of um, – they're the kind of things that, that I do. Um, and then, you know, I set goals and I reach them. If yeah. The more and more goals you set and the more and more goals that you reach, you build confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what builds confidence is experience. Um, so And there's nothing wrong with, you know, building your confidence i don't think that's bad um so yeah they're the kind of things that i'm doing cool. to to kind of build that build myself up and when you when you do goals are we talking what sort of time frame do you typically set for your goals usually i do it by the year and that's held me in pretty good stead uh, so what i would do is is this at the start of every year i, I would not even now they like for my goals this year i started working on them in november man so, yeah, me too. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, I, I'd, I'd start working on those goals pretty early on, and uh, yeah, work out what um, work out what I got to achieve for the year, and uh, just keep ticking it off. And that's that's an awesome process, man. It's 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 really it's funny the way that 
these these years, you know, in, in one sense, they're kind of like, who, who invented January and February and all this kind of stuff? It kind of, but on another sense, it's kind of how we organize our life. And it can be mm. very powerful to, get, you know, when you get to the end of the year and you look back over 2016, and then I love that process of looking back and then looking to the future. But one year is a long, it, it, it's, a, it's a long time frame. I always find that, you know, I, I love having my one-year goals. Um, and then I, and then I like to sort of chunk them down so that because so that I can I guess maximize my smaller periods of time like my weeks and my days and my hours. Do, how do you stay on track to to, to optimize to reach those one year goals? Um, well, there's a few things. Um, one thing I do is I, I write them down and I look at them every single day. Mm. Um, and this year we actually like for the for the business goals um, we actually did like a project timeline and it was like a massive project timeline. So there's certain things that have to happen by qu- end of quarter one. There's certain things that have to happen by June or July, and it's all mapped down. So every you know for the business goals it's not just about me anymore. It's like you know um, I, I set the vision. I work with the team. We did a team retreat, and then we worked out you know how we're going to achieve all these things and. We all agree that it's achievable. Mm. And then we work out who, who's who's responsible and who's doing what. And then from there, we check in every single week and we've blown up, you know, this uh, 2017 goals and timeline, mm. um, like massive, uh, like a big A3 or A2 on the wall. And then, you know, everyone sees it every single day. Um, so that's that's how we keep keep and stay accountable i agree a year is a long time that's why you have to break it up and chunk it up Mm. uh, into small pieces and you have to track them every single week and see how you're on track so that's something a lot of successful companies do that i didn't know Mm. is you set these goals and then you do what's called a traffic light reporting weekly reporting and uh you you break it down by the week and you know you have certain people responsible for certain goals and you literally, you know, check in every single week. And if you're on track, you're on green. If you're just a little bit off, you're in orange. And if you're not on track, you're in red. And uh, certain people are responsible for certain goals and you check in. And that's that's what you do, man. Cool. That's really interesting. So a couple of things there. So you talked about breaking things down into quarterly goals, which is awesome. There's some psychological research that... Um, confirms that 90 days is actually the, the the optimal time for us to visualize our future um, mm. beyond that it starts getting a little bit fuzzy and less than that it's it starts becoming all a little bit short term so that's really awesome that you're doing that this traffic light system of of i guess accountability that, that's really fascinating so what 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 actually happens when somebody's got you know like reds across the board well with full transparency, this is we've this is a new year thing that we've been doing, yeah. and we're still teething through it because we have some aggressive goals. So we, like, um, if they are in red, we're not we're not too harsh at the mm-hmm. moment, um, and just kind of work on you know that's my job to work with that person to see how we're going. But you know we we've got such aggressive goals that it is difficult to jump into them. So we might have to rejig the the goals because they are so aggressive we just have to see we're going to reevaluate it this quarter because we've only had two months of the year mm. so yeah it's hard to say like but we're not too harsh you know cool. like it just is what it is so yeah, yeah I hope that answers your question but 
yeah, uh, one thing I've noticed is a lot of successful companies do this. We're doing it now, and I think that's the way to go. Last year, for the business, it was just me. And yes, I did achieve a lot of goals last year, but now the business has grown significantly. Um, it's not enough for me to just have these goals. I need everyone in the team to have these mm. goals. Awesome, man. I'd love to get a little bit deeper into uh, the, the culture and the team building side of things because, you know, this has all just happened for you in the last few years and and you're the sort of guy that, you know, learns as you go. And, um, yeah, I'd love to explore that. Um, but sure. But first of all, when I was in the corporate world, um, I, I remember getting really frustrated at what seemed to be really inefficient work practices, like meetings all the time and people just like being able to distract me and expecting me to reply to their emails and their phone calls like all the time. And I remember it just feeling like, oh, this is really silly because it's taking me out of my flow. It's, it's you know, I'm, I'm, go- I'm in this reactive mode rather than this creative mode. So mm. first of all, is, is, is that something that you found and, and is that something that you're, I guess, responding to with, with this new culture that you're creating? Yeah, hundred percent. Like one thing we've, we're doing now is we have a new rule where we only do meetings on Mondays. Oh, I love it, man. Yeah. So, um, we do all of our meetings on Mondays. Uh, if we do like do anything like, you know, catch ups or whatever, like informal, it's like not like a, a scheduled meeting, but yeah, for the most part, we, we, we're pretty, we were pretty good at sticking to that. Uh, so we only do meetings on Mondays. Um, for me, like that's as a team for me, I'm, I'm doing a lot of meetings cause that's kind of like what I do. But you know, I try and have Wednesdays and Thursdays, my meeting day free stuff. Um, and yeah, look, we do do meetings if we have to do them urgently, but for the most part, we're sticking to that, which is pretty good. So then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is when we kind of get stuff done. Um, so, you know, that's something that, um, is a good rule that we have that works well, I think. I think that's really clever. I think the idea of just batching everything um, is, is is really smart, you know. Because at the end of the day, it's it's we all know that our, our businesses are going to do better if more people within the business can immerse themselves one hundred percent in the tasks that they're doing. So I think the idea of having these these days where there's meetings and there's days where there's, there's deep immersion in in creative work is is, is really smart, man. So so what? Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Um, so talk to me more about, you know, culture, you know, blank piece of paper. You guys um, are really, I guess, in, in building mode. I know that you've got, you know, first of all, like how many of your staff are actually remote versus not remote in percentage wise? Yeah. So one thing else, one another thing that I've learned is that when it comes to, when it comes to, um, like building a company, you just kind of have to decide whether you're going to do a hundred percent remote or a hundred percent, well, not a hundred percent, but core team in one location. And I decided, um, I've decided that we'll have core team here in Melbourne. I do want to set up an office in LA, but for the most part, um, you know, core team will be in Melbourne for now, for now. And, you know, when we set up the LA office, we'll see how things go there. But for, for now, core team is in Melbourne. All the strategy comes out of Melbourne, and that's still the case. So, you know, we've got uh, David who does uh, product and biz dev and strategy with me. 
We've got JC who does, uh, he's like our content manager. And then we've got Jesse who is doing our systems and automation and uh, all those kinds of things and marketing stuff. And then there's me. And then we've got also Asia, but he, she's in Canada um, and she, she manages the magazine and also found a club. She's our community manager. Mm-hmm. Then um, we've got uh, Tate who is in uh, – I forget. He's in Boston. Mm. So Tate's in Boston and he's working on uh, – being the he's the he's the ed, he's the copy editor for the magazine and the blog. Then we've got a, we just hired a managing editor, and she's in somewhere I can't remember where exactly in America, but she's she's the managing editor for the blog. Then we've got you know a, a string of contractors. So so like I would consider you know a CR Tate Jenna, um, the girls in the Philippines. I would consider them kind of contractors. Um, yeah. So yeah, we have when we have heaps, we have you know people that are doing analytics, we have people that are doing um, you know more more marketing consulting stuff. We have we have at least you know ten different writers that are contractors for us. So we have a lot of different people doing all sorts of different things for us. So you collectively you would say you know there's about ten of us that that are constantly doing things. Mm. Um, but yeah, core team there's there's only yeah there's only about seven of us. Mm, okay, interesting, interesting. So what about the actual design and layout of the magazine? Well, basically all your stuff looks really slick, man. Like um, I know that it's something that a lot of intention has gone into, the way that you've created the the look, the brand uh, of not just the magazine but the membership community. I remember asking you, like, who's helping you with this stuff? And you, and you steered me in Troy Dean um, of Rockstar Empire fame. Um, mm. But obviously, a lot of intention um, has has gone into this. So, do you have in-house design, or is it all outsourced? Yeah. So, so for for the magazine and any branding and stuff, uh, we use a, an amazing designer. Um, his name's Karan, and uh, I've been working with him since the beginning. Um, so, you could say he's kind of in-house, but he's in India. Um, we've been working with him since the beginning. But then, you know, we have um, contract web designers, uh, in particular for Founder Club. You know, Troy's team built that out. Um, so, yeah, we just have a lot of different contractors that we work with. We've got a we've got another designer that's um, in-house as well right now. His name's Giuliano. Uh, he's from Italy. So, yeah, still the, still, the, still the same strategy applies. All the strategy comes from Melbourne, and then the execution is done out of Melbourne. Right. Execution done is is done in Melbourne, but a lot of it is done out of Melbourne with contractors. Right, right, right. So obviously your role has evolved. I'm sure that there was a stage where you were doing everything because you were the entirety of the operation. Of course. Right? <laughs> and now I imagine your role has evolved um, a lot. So, so what do you feel is the best use of your time these days? Um. I think that's a really good question because I think, um, you know, before when we first jumped on the call, I said I'm doing too much. And I said to uh, one of my mentors, I feel um, I'm doing too much. And he said, uh, I said, I'm feeling a little bit stressed out at the moment. What do you do? And he said, yeah. And I said, and like I meditate and I go to the gym. And he said, yeah, usually usually when it feels that way, you're, you're doing too much. And I think, yeah, I am doing too much. So I need to I need to focus in on what I'm really good at. And um, what what's going to get you know eighty twenty rule right? 
Pareto's law, you know, yeah. um, 20% of your time yields 80% of results. So um, that's what I've been thinking about this past day. And mm. I think, um, you know, if I look at my list of things I have to do, you know, I probably should be delegating more. But it's more like there's things on my list that I'm not responsible for but are on my mind that I need to get sorted mm. um, that I'm not responsible for. So I am delegating in that sense. But to answer your question, what what, what is – where is my time best spent? Mm. I think I think around the creative stuff, like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm quite good at that. So probably the marketing strategy – Marketing strategy and product stuff, that's probably where I'm really, really good. So just the creative stuff, the marketing mm. stuff, and the product stuff. That's that's where I'm best. That's where I'm, That's where my biggest strong suit is. I'm, I'm not a bad manager. I'm okay. But one of my mm. goals this year is to get a, an operations manager in to, to manage all that side of things because I'm not that good at that. Mm. Um, and I don't particularly enjoy it that much. So does the yeah, does I, the idea of having one hundred percent of your time where you can focus on the creative stuff, the the new the new products um, and the launch strategies for all of those? Does does that idea kind of excite you? Hundred percent, man. Hundred yeah. percent. That would excite me for sure. Like just working on yeah, product and marketing stuff. That's that's where that's my really strong point. Like awesome. you know, there's certain things in the business that. Um, I'm, I'm not very good at, um, I'm not a great writer or I'm not very good at, at, at creating, you know, written content and stuff like that. But what I am really good at is just kind of, I don't know, if you look at the book, like founder version 1.0, um, you know, the exec- there were certain things that I did that only I could have done around the execution of that, like the landing page making sure that that was just so on point and finding just like a, the most amazing designer. Like in that instance, I found the ex head of design for 99 designs and I, got, I convinced and worked with him on that one. And now I'm working with him on like the microsite for that book. So like just little things like that, or just working with Karan to do the design of that book and making yeah. sure that, that it's just like as good as it possibly can be. Um, just little things like that I'm, I'm quite good at or the, you know, just the creative stuff like that's, yeah, I'm, I'm quite strong at that. That's probably where my time is best spent, but then also on the product side and, and, and working out, you know, the vision that, that kind of side Mm. of things is quite strong as well. So the strategy. Cool, man. So you mentioned the word vision. Um, do you have, do you have a process in place or a, a way that you would optimize your visionary abilities is it is it you sitting in the or sitting in the bathtub or um, going on holiday or is it meditation or is it um, something that you schedule into your calendar where you have like a vision day or is it just kind of stuff that just comes up and you and you track it like how, how do you vision for the future yeah oh man I wish I could tell you I had a, a framework or, or strategy but it's just just winging it, bro. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel yeah. I think it's important for people to hear that. Yeah, because like, nah, I got nothing for you there. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't even. You know, one of my mentors, um, he he said he spends a, a a big amount of his time allocating to just thinking. Um, I I don't do that, man. Yeah. I'm just constantly. I'm just constantly thinking. Don't get me wrong. Um, this is an obsession for me. <laughs> if I'm riding my bike to work. 
yeah. uh, to the office. Like I'm thinking about work. If I'm driving, I'm thinking about work. From the shower, I'm thinking about work. Yeah. So everywhere I am, I'm thinking about it, and that's kind of where how I just hone in on on strategy and vision. And then, yeah, I don't know. Just just the I think the things that just keep coming back to me are the ones that I just kind of. You know, we yeah. it kind of builds out that picture and that canvas, um, yeah. and what we're going to paint. But yeah, sorry, man. No, no, man. I, I don't I don't want a, uh, a certain answer. I, I want to know how um, successful people do it, and then winging it. Um, it's not actually winging it. It's actually if you break it down, it's it's the process of uh, thoughts connecting with other thoughts, connecting with opportunities, connecting with conversations that you have and things that you read. So it's it's far from winging it. It's it's actually just like you're immersing your consciousness in in your passion and then you know stuff comes out from that um Mm. which is fascinating i I do wonder though whether in 10 years time or in 15 years time you know after having all this experience uh doing this stuff you'll you'll actually have like a i don't know like an optimized process i wonder if richard branson actually has like this you'd know better than me but whether he actually has like this really refined visioning process Mm, not sure i i reckon those guys would probably yeah yeah it's interesting so nathan we're gonna have to wrap it up um so i just wanted to help the audience uh connect with you and and learn more about how they can follow the journey that you guys are on so so where can people uh read up about you and also just connect be a part of your community um, so the best place that uh, people can find us is if you just go to founder, F-O-U-N-D-R.com. Awesome. Hey, man, thank you so much for your time. It's been a really good chat. I know it's been uh, early in the morning, um, but you've been on point. You've given some really powerful tips for people who are starting their journey. Um, so I appreciate you and your time. Thank you, Nathan. Oh, look, thank you so much for the opportunity, man. I really appreciate it. Cool. Speak soon, brother. Boom. So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Nathan Chan. Make sure you sign up to foundermag.com and check them out. You'll get loads of great value on the business side of things. They really have a whole bunch of tools and strategies and the content is just fantastic. If you're looking for uh, growth more on the inner development side of things, if you really want a pathway to develop yourself, to feel more present, to feel more powerful, to supercharge your life, to get a clear focus on who you are and the pathway ahead of you. If you want a map to a more powerful life, then I'm inviting you to apply for Flow State's new mastermind program, Limitless, which is launching on April the 11th. And this brings together a tribe of entrepreneurial people determined to be the best version of themselves. If you want the inspiration of other people walking the same path, if you want clear tools and a map to help you get from that place where you're feeling a little bit anxious, a little bit blocked, a little bit unclear about how to actually do this thing called inner growth, then this is for you. I'm going to guide you along a map to your highest potential. So if you're interested, go to www.flowtribe.co.co, flowtribe.co, and check it out, apply. Um, There's a bit of an application process to make sure that it's the right program for you. Um, And otherwise, I can't wait to tune in next week. Um, So I'll see you on the podcast next week. Tell all your friends. I'm so stoked to be back giving these podcasts, uh, making these podcasts for you guys. Let me know if you've got any feedback. Let me know if you've got any awesome people that you think I should have on the show. Otherwise, I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.